Untitled MMA Podcast, uh, May 6th, 2020, the day after Cinco de Mayo, one of the more, more important days of the year in the uh, American calendar, the day after Cinco de Mayo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, before we get started, we're going to do picks for UFC 249 this week. We're going to start off with that uh, and then go from there. But before we get started, I'm Buju. I don't know if I should remember. My name has been so long. <laughs> I'm Brendan. Back from the dead. And I'm Bryce. Still alive. Well, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan, Brendan makes his long-awaited return to the Untitled MMA podcast since we finally have MMA back, finally have picks. We have something to talk about for once. Indeed, but he is on our time crunch, so we're going to start with picks and uh, move on from there in case he has to leave in the middle of the show. Some people have to work for a living, fucking loser. <laughs> fucking <laughs> idiot, piece of shit, garbage. All right. Uh, so we're gonna start with the main event because that's the most important fight on the card, obviously. Uh, and like Bryce said, in case Brennan has to leave, we get the important ones out of the way. So, the main event UFC 249. This is what our third attempt now at UFC 249. Yeah, I think so. Is Tony Ferguson a minus 190 favorite and the number one ranked lightweight in the world against Justin Gaethje, the number four lightweight in the world, a plus 155 underdog for the UFC interim lightweight championship of the world. Tony Ferguson hasn't lost since 2012, which was a decision loss to Michael Johnson. Granted, not the most active fighter in the world, but that was his last loss. And again, going back to not being the most active fighter, uh, this is his first fight since May of last year. It'll be over a year since the last time he fought by the time he steps into the octagon on Saturday, which was a doctor's stoppage against Cowboy Cerrone. Uh, Justin Gaethje hasn't been to a decision since 2012. He's only got one in his entire career. He's on a three-fight win streak with wins over Cowboy Stroni, Edson Barboza, and James Vick. His only UFC, two UFC losses are to Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier. He's never had a fight and via submission. Uh, I, would, I would go out on a limb and say the best part of Tony Ferguson's game and the biggest advantage he has in this fight is his grappling or submission game. Justin Gaethje's a wrestler, so if he can stop it from getting to the ground, A, that gives him an advantage, and B, never been submitted. Maybe Tony Ferguson's the best grappler Gaethje's ever fought. But we don't know until we get in there on Saturday. I think this is a tough fight to pick. Still really don't know who I'm picking. I'm going to wing this pick as I'm talking through it. But I think I'm going to go with no way. Tony Ferguson. Okay. Uh, Gaethje's lost to the two best fighters he fought, Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier. Uh, his wins, his last three wins in anyway in the UFC since he's caught a groove, are Donald Cerrone, Edson Barboza, James Vick. I would say those are all... Second or third tier fighters, I think that's safe to say, right? Yes. Or, um, I mean, James Vick might be fifth or sixth tier yeah, at this no point. Shit. Um, but yeah, he's lo- lost his Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier. Granted, maybe he didn't have his footing in the UFC yet, but I think those are two. Uh, I think those are two. What's the word I'm looking for here? I'm not really sure. I think that kind of gives away a little bit about Justin Gaethje, that those are his two losses in the UFC. His only two losses, period. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Tony Ferguson here to uh, become the interim lightweight champion once again. A two-time interim champion. <laughs> <laughs> to pick this fight just ultimately de- de- the it has been a long time. <laughs> uh, but what determines this fight is where the fight is, in my opinion. If it's on the ground, obviously Ferguson wins. If it's standing up, Ferguson, Ferguson's going to get his head knocked the fuck off. I'm already cussing. Back to a hot start, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> but... um. I'm going to go with Tony Ferguson. I think he'll be able to get it to the ground and beat Gaethje. And I'm just not so big on the Gaethje hype train like everybody else is. 
Are you big on the Tony Ferguson hype train? Is this still a hype train at this point? No. Pettis, the fact that Pettis derailed it was kind of sad well, for for Ferguson's part. Yeah. And which is kind of You'd say counterintuitive because Pettis derailed the hype train because he almost knocked him out. And he's gonna so. face and he's gonna face a guy that has all the potential in the world to knock somebody the fuck out. So it's kind of counterintuitive, but I think Ferguson will get it to the ground and win. All right, fellas. Starting off hot, I'm going with Justin Gaethje. I knew you were going to. The way you started it, knew you were going to. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I definitely understand all of your guys' points. The two losses that Justin Gaethje has shows glaring holes that were in his game. But, I mean, the the way that I'm looking at it, both of their most recent performances were against Cowboy Cerrone. And although, I mean, they beat him bad. Justin Gaethje got it done inside of one round, as he has his last three fights since his last loss. I just think he is on a uh, different level than Tony Ferguson, although Tony Ferguson just finds ways to win fights. Um, I think the when we were watching fights of both Ferguson and Gaethje, Ferguson has been relatively unimpressive in some of his biggest fights, namely like the Kevin Lee fight that he was, I think, losing until Kevin Lee got gassed. Um, whereas Justin Gaethje is looking absolutely incredible. And he has every weapon in the world to beat Tony Ferguson. If he stays off the ground, which he should be able to do, being a former uh, collegiate wrestler, I think he can get it done with his pressure, leg kicks, just a brawling style, that, and he hits really hard. And Tony Ferguson, not known for his chin. A very questionable chin. My one thing with this fight is... This is a five-round title fight, main event. Mm-hmm. While me and you watched fights of both these guys recently, we figured out Tony Ferguson's a slow starter. But I don't know if Justin Gaethje is even capable of winning a five-round decision against somebody of the caliber of Tony Ferguson. Doesn't need to. He's going to finish it inside three rounds. Well, that's it. He's either going to have to knock him out or he loses, I think. Yeah. but I, mean, I, I think he's does. okay with that. Those odds. I'm just saying, I think that kind of leans it a little more in Tony's favor, too. Just in terms of he has more ways he can win. Correct. Because I think Tony Ferguson could win the fight every single possible way, knockout, mm-hmm. submission, or decision, whereas Justin Gaethje's only going to win by knockout. I concur. But I think that's by far the most likely outcome, and that's why I got uh, Justin Gaethje to become interim champion. Uh, so the co-main event of the evening, the Bantamweight champion in the world, Henry Cejudo, is a minus 210 favorite against unranked Bantamweight, Dominic Cruz, the plus 170 underdog. Uh, Cejudo's on a five-fight win streak. His last loss was in 2016 to Joseph Benavidez. He has three KO-TKO wins during this win streak, two of them against career 135ers in TJ Dillashaw and Marlon Marais. Um, and his only losses in his in MMA career are to Mighty Mouse and Joseph Benavidez. Cruz is coming off just his second career loss to Cody Garbrandt way back in December 2016. The Cubs were newly crowned World Series champions last time Dominic Cruz fought. Uh, he had lost prior to that since 2007 to Uriah Faber. He was on a nine-year unbeaten Probably start. only three fights, though. <laughs> That's very possible. <laughs> um, he's never been KO'd. He only has two stoppage wins, though, with one being a doc- doctor's stoppage. The other one was a knockout against Takei Mizugaki in his last return fight. Um... I think Henry Cejudo wins here. I think Dominic Cruz is one of my favorite fighters, very tough guy to beat, one of the most elusive guys in the UFC. It's just that's really the only part of his game. Like, he's a good fighter, but the strongest part of his game is that he's elusive, and I don't know if that's enough against an extremely well-rounded fighter like Henry Cejudo, who has only shown these guys getting better uh, since that loss to Mighty Mouse. So 
I think this is a fairly easy pick, as sad as it is, but I think Henry Cejudo gets it done. Yeah, I have Henry Cejudo. Ring rust is a thing. It wasn't a thing back in the day, but it's going to be a thing after a four-year layoff. Three as you... and a half years going into a fight with arguably one of the best fighters in the world right now is a tough yeah. uphill yeah. battle. But, uh, yeah, going Henry Cejudo, best fighter out of these two. Old hanky C. Yeah, it's not even going to be ring rust. I don't doubt that Dominic Cruz is going to look fine. It's just that Henry Cejudo's better everywhere. He didn't even look fine in his last fight, to be honest. Yeah, he got outclassed by Cody Garbrandt. Yeah, all he would, all that Henry Cejudo would have to do is study that tape. And, I mean, Dominic Cruz is the exact same guy. There's no way he could change the way that he fights because, like Buju said, that's all he has is his movement. Garbrandt all did have the advantage of arguably being the fastest guy in the UFC Excuse me. at that time when he fought Dominic Cruz. Cejudo doesn't have that, but either way, like you said, I just feel like Cejudo's a better overall fighter. 100%. And better than both Cruz and Garbrandt. Yes, I agree. So, Henry Cejudo retains. Middle fight on the main card. Number two, Francis Ngannou, who's a minus 280 favorite against number six heavyweight Jarzinho Rosenstrike, the plus 220 underdog. Francis is on a three-fight KO win streak, and he's never been finished in his MMA career. His two losses were both decisions to Derek Lewis and Sipe Miocic. Rosenstrike is undefeated at 10-0, 4-0 in the UFC. His UFC wins are Junior Albini, Alan Crowder, Andre Arlovsky, and Alistair Overeem. Um, he was losing to Overeem, though, before he got a knockout with four seconds left in the fight. Even with his last fight being Alistair Overeem, who's a very formidable heavyweight, one of the best heavyweights of all time, this is still a huge step up in competition to Francis Ngannou. Francis isn't going to let you go five rounds of losing and barely hanging on and you getting a knockout win at the last second. Francis isn't going to let that happen. Jarzinho Rosenstrike's in for a very tough uphill battle against the hardest hitter in the world, maybe the best heavyweight on the planet when uh, all things come together for Francis. I think this is another fairly easy pick, and I think Francis knocks out Rosenstrike. I think Rosenstrike's a great fighter. He's got a lot of big things ahead of him, but this is a little too early for him to fight somebody like Francis. Yeah, Francis. He's soon to be at the top of the mountain after this fight and another fight, which will be the upcoming title fight. I think he will be the future champion, and he'll display why with this fight. A lot of fight in that uh, fight, analysis. Fight, fight, fight. fight. Um, obviously, Big Daddy Frank is going to get the job done. Francis Ngannou by knockout inside of two rounds. I feel like Rosenstrike was on a very natural trajectory up to this point. Junior Albini, Alan Crowder, Andre Arlovsky, Alistair Overeem. It feels like they missed a step between Overeem and Ngannou. Yeah, but to be fair, when they had announced it originally, it kind of had made sense because it was originally scheduled for late uh, March. Right. And I think even then he was filling in for somebody. But they just have kept that matchup through the, since then for the last like month and a half almost now. Number nine, Calvin Cater is a minus 250 favorite against number seven, Jeremy Stevens, who's a plus 195 underdog. Uh, Cater's UFC losses are to Zabit, which was his last fight, and Hanato Moicano. Uh, he had two prior losses to the UFC. He's never been KO'd. He's only been submitted once, and that was in 2008. Three of his four UFC wins are via knockout. Um, Jeremy Stevens on a three-fight losing streak. He's lost five of his last eight and eight of his last 12. His last three losses are to Yair, Zabit, and Jose Aldo. This is his 46th professional MMA fight. Uh, Calvin Cater's a favorite for a reason here. Jeremy Stevens, while a very formidable featherweight, and some might say including him the hardest hitter in the 145-pound division. Nothing. 
<laughs> Not even going to dignify that with a response. I think Calvin Cater is a significantly better fighter in 2020, and I think he gets it done against Jeremy Stevens. I'm going to pick Jeremy Stevens, hardest hitter in the UFC, as you said. That's right, brother. And most of those wa- losses are very impressive, even though some it might be an aged Jose Aldo. Corrected that. I love it. I <laughs> see it. But, yeah, I think this is his comeback. And I'm tired. I didn't want to go four times in a row with the underdog. Fuck that. I'm better than that. You just picked the underdog, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> or four favorite. times in a row with the favorite. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to go with Cater here. I think that, like Buju said, in 2020, Calvin Cater is a better fighter than Jeremy Stevens. If this would have been maybe at the beginning of last year, um, that might be a different story just because, I mean, if there was a time where Jeremy Stevens was on his way to a potential title shot, but he's shown every possible hole in his game in the fact that he's not that good at really anything. He just hits really, really hard. And he's losing to strikers, and he's fighting another striker on Yeah, I think that Cater is just a lot more technical. And, I mean, there's obviously uh, more than a puncher's chance because Stevens is um, more than capable and competent on the feet. But I just think that Cater, he's on the uphill and – Stevens is on the downhill. That's how Brendan likes to analyze fights sometimes. Surprised he didn't this time. <laughs> Greg Hardy's a minus 200 favorite against Jorgen DeCastro, a plus 160 underdog, both alums of Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. Hardy's coming off the biggest fight of his career, which was a decision loss to Alexander Volkov. He was on a three-fight win streak prior to that. One of those wins was, overcha- was overturned to a no contest, though, because he used an inhaler in the octagon, even though it was approved by official. Yeah, that's so stupid. Uh, DeCastro six and zero as a pro, one and zero in the UFC. But he was two and three as an amateur, which is weird. How do you go from two and three as an amateur to six and zero as a pro? Don't know how that happens. Get the right opponents, baby. Hell yeah, brother. Canes. Um, I think Jorgen DeCastro, just looking at what I've looked at today, is a little bit better. Has a little more raw talent. I think he's a little bit more refined as a fighter. But I think Greg Hardy's has brutal violence in his fucking blood. And uh, I think that's going to show up in the octagon on Saturday. I think the UFC is still trying to move him up to the top of the division, and they're trying to match him up with guys that they think he's going to destroy. And I think this is another case of that. I think Greg Hardy gets a win on Saturday. I got Greg Hardy as well. He's going to knock him out. This feels like his 20th fight in two years. He is active. I like that about him. Yeah. Uh, He fights basically as often as he is. I mean, more often than any heavyweight that I know. I feel like that's probably because of football, right? Like he's conditioned to be active on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. I would imagine. But then again, I guess he is kind of getting a late start, so maybe he's trying to make up for that too. Quite possibly. Plus, I mean, when you're in the UFC, being this active is so unheard of because if you do well, you fight a lot better people very Mm -hmm. fast. But uh, like you said, I think the UFC is trying to build him up and giving him favorable matchups. And for now, I think that it's just going to go with the way of Greg Hardy in this one. And I think even coming off the fight against Volkov, even though it was a fight that he lost pretty handily, I think the experience from that fight gives him an edge against somebody like DeCastro who hasn't really fought anybody. Yeah, 100%. So I feel like this one could be a lengthy discussion. This is the ESPN portion. This is the ESPN portion's main event, the prelim main event going into the main card. Number 15 welterweight Anthony Pettis is a minus 145 favorite against number 6 lightweight Donald Cerrone. What fight? What weight is this fight at? Do you welterweight. Know? Okay. And Cerrone's plus 115 underdog. Uh, Pettis on a two-fight lo- losing streak. He's lost three of his last four and eight of his last 12. Four and eight in his last 12. 
Cerrone's lost uh, his last three, all knocked out or a TKO loss for Cerrone there. Two, hold on, I, I want to mention this. Three of the top four uh, top lightweights currently in the UFC, their most recent fight was against Cowboy Cerrone, which I'm sure were his last three fights, that being to Tony Ferguson, then Justin Gaethje, and most recently Conor McGregor. Yep. That's a wild fact, and that all of them are in le- legitimate title contention off of knocking out an old Cowboy. So this is a rematch. Anthony Pettis got the win in the original fight with a, by attacking Donald Cerrone's body which is the secret to beating Cowboy Cerrone. I feel like nobody ever does it. Not enough, anyways. Yeah. Um, the story of this fight is it's two guys who were at or near the top of the UFC and had just are basically shells of their former selves. They're washed. I don't know if untapped potential is the right word because Pettis was champion. Cowboy fought for the belt so many times and is one of the most popular guys in the history of the sport. But it just feels like they never reached the heights that either one of them should have. And it's not going to get to that point now because it's too late in both of their careers. Uh, I think it's it's a fight that makes sense for where they're both at in their careers because they're in the same place. It's a place where like, you're just a name on the roster now. Like You're a popular guy. People are going to pay to see you. You're never going to be champion. Probably never going to be in a... You're a stepping stone at this point, basically, mm-hmm. if you're Anthony Pettis or Donald Cerrone. I think Anthony Pettis has a little bit left in the more little bit more left in the tank than uh, Donald Cerrone does, based off of what we've seen in the last three from Cowboy. If you asked me this six or eight months ago, I probably would have said Cowboy, but at this juncture, I feel like Anthony Pettis. And they're very comparable fighters too, like both great grapplers, but known for their striking. I don't. It's a tough matchup to pick. I just think Anthony Pettis has a little more left than Donald Cerrone does. I'm going to have to go with Donald Cerrone Whoa! to lose this fight oh, <laughs> against oh Anthony Pettis. The old switcheroo that we call him. Hit us with the uh, razzle-dazzle. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, I, I don't know. Like you said, both of these fighters are extremely washed up at this point in their careers. And Donald Cerrone's more so aged than, just any, than anything else compared to Pettis just being and the downfall of his career. Say, that's the thing with Pettis, too, is it doesn't even feel like it's age. It's just it like isn't. He it's isn't. in his he own head. He should be entering his prime. He can't get out of his own head for whatever reason. Yeah, and he's a bum as a result. But I, I kind of do feel like Connor just crushed Cowboy's soul a little bit, even though it, who knows if that soul is even crushable because it's Donald fucking Cowboy Cerrone, badass. But I don't know. Just coming off that loss, and I don't know. I'm always going to pick Pettis anyway, so it even, doesn't even matter the reasoning. And this is kind of the ideal spot for Cerrone in this fight where it's not a big pressure situation because there's literally nobody in the arena. You're not even on the main card. You're the prelim main event. Uh, it feels like a very low-pressure situation, and high-pressure situations is where Cowboy tends to crumble. So maybe that plays into his advantage a little bit here, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, for sure, it seems like he loses every big fight that he's in. I mean, everyone that I remember, he has. Um, and for Anthony Pettis... He just doesn't show up for fights in general, Period. for the most part. This fight's really good for him since Donald Cerrone is not known as being a pressure striker, which is the number one way to beat Anthony Pettis. Yeah, he's very much more so of a counter striker and then stringing together combinations. And Cowboy's not going to grab Pettis and stick him up against the cage either, like mm-hmm. Eddie Alvarez or somebody. Yeah, it, which all of this doesn't make sense to me. You every There's a very clear game plan to beat both of these guys, mm-hmm. but not everyone follows it. Yeah. If I was fighting Cowboy Cerrone, I would just be drilling kicks to the liver in camp. That's it. I don't need anything else because that's all I need. Mm-hmm. 
and I would beat him inside of a minute as a result because his liver is hot garbage. And Anthony Pettis, you stop, stop him from circling, grab his legs, stick him up against the cage. Exactly right. That's all you have to do. Um, Show I, that wonder boy. Yeah. And, I mean, even his last win for Pettis, yeah. he was losing. He lost the first round against wonder boy, too. He was losing until that punch landed. Mm-hmm. He was in the fight, but he just isn't good enough to beat anyone probably in the top five of either 155 or 170. He's also got brittle little baby hands. Yeah. His hands break like fucking glass. <laughs> um, And it, it just is a very strange case. I'm sure eventually after he ends up hanging it up, we can do a deep dive into his career, Um, which I hope is not for a while, of course, because I do enjoy watching him fight for the most part, mostly to see what kind of Anthony Pettis shows up. I am going to pick Anthony Pettis in this fight because, like Buju said, I think he has more left in the tank and... um. Cowboy is just washed. This fight goes to a finish, right? There's no way this goes to a decision. It could, but I think it's either way, Anthony Pettis wins. I don't see it being finished. You think it goes to a decision? Yeah, no doubt. Hmm. No doubt? I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know about no doubt. When's the last time Cowboy went? I guess. uh... Mm, Fuck, who was that? He just went to a decision. No, I mean, not just went to a decision. A while ago. Robbie Lawler is who I'm thinking of. That's oh, that while. was a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> it was more as I realized who it was. I remember it was longer ago than I thought. Um, but Cowboy doesn't go to uh, decisions all that often. I feel like Pettis never does. Fajeda, that I was mean, a decision, he, right? Yeah, but, I mean, he lost. But, but. Uh, Eddie Alvarez, that was a decision. I'm pretty sure RDA was a decision. I mean, this is going back. Obviously, was RDA a decision? I'm almost positive. I think he got his ass beat for five rounds. Yeah, it was horrible. Fair enough. Um, but. Yeah, I'm going to go with Anthony Pettis here. I think that he has more left in the tank, and I still think that his ceiling is someone that is in outside talks for a title shot, one big performance away. But hes I don't see him getting past this seemingly mental block that he has. Are we finally to the point where we're not going to try and convince ourselves that the winner of this fight is back? <laughs> Until something <laughs> spectacular happens in it, friend. Unless it's Cowboy. I don't think there's a world where Cowboy is back. Yeah, cowboy is just Cowboy. I agree with that. Um, Fabricio Verdum, unranked at heavyweight, is a minus 335 favorite against number 12, Alexio Linick, the plus 255 underdog. This is another one where, as I go into this, I'm not sure who I'm picking. Um, Fabricio Verdum's first fight since March of 2018 when he lost to Alexander Volkov. He's 3-3 three and three since winning the UFC Heavyweight Championship of the World with wins over Travis Brown, Walt Harris, and Marcin Tibera. Losses to Stipe Miocic, Alistair Overeem, and Alexander Volkov. He has five submission wins in the UFC. Um, Olenek is three, also 3-3 three three in his last three with wins over Green, Hunt, and Albini. And losses to Harris, Overeem, and Blades. His last three losses were all via KO or TKO. Hasn't been submitted since 2004. And it is 73rd professional MMA fight. 73rd <laughs> professional MMA fight. You just fight every other weekend in Russia. <laughs> Throw someone in a Peruvian necktie and call it a day. I think what the difference here is is the quality of wins that Olenek has. His wins are over uh, Green, uh, Maurice Green, I think, uh, Mark Hunt, and Junior Albini. Those aren't really great names. Those are horrible have, names. To have in your uh, win column. And his loss is Walt Harris is a very good wrestler. Alistair Overeem is a decent striker in 2020. Uh, Curtis Blades is a great wrestler. But I, I just feel like... Those are names you should beat, names you should lose to. So he's somewhere right there in the middle. And I think Fabrice Overdoom, even with a long layoff, 
has an edge over Alexio Linux. So I'm going to go with the favorite, Verdum. I do think it's closer than what the odds say, though. I feel like I haven't heard Verdum's name in forever. Served Probably a little suspension Ruski. Probably since March of 2018, if I had to guess. Yeah. Sp- suspension for what? A uh, little... Brazilian little. supplements. Yeah. <laughs> Racist. Whoa. Whoa. I mean, he did uh, pee hot, so... Well, I could be American. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with Verdum. He's a clear-cut favorite here, and why not? I think that I'm also going to go with Verdum here. I think that it really just comes down to the fact that he's better on the feet, and he's, according to most people, the greatest heavyweight submission artist ever in the sport. I mean, I feel like five submission wins in the UFC is a lot for heavyweight. Yeah, and I mean, Alexei Linick might have just as many, but who is he tying up in these Peruvian neckties? Maurice Green. (laughs) Yeah, real (laughs) studs. Um, I just think that... Verdum, even though he's had a two-year layoff now, he's going to be more than uh, capable of t- dispatching him. And I, honestly, I'm kind of happy that he's coming back. Yeah, it adds a little bit of depth to heavyweight. Exactly right. And, I mean, granted, because he is a heavyweight, he can probably fight for another three, four years yeah, if he really wants say, to. Granted, he's 56 years old. But that's okay and at heavyweight. Just don't line him up against Francis Ngannou and send him to an early retirement. Number seven, Carla Sparza, the former champion, is minus 155 favorite against number eight, Michelle Waterson, the plus 125 underdog. Esparza is on a two-fight win streak and has looked much, much better in those last two fights. Her four UFC losses are to Yanni and Jacek, Randa Marcos, Claudia Gadelia, and Tatiana Suarez. I feel like three of those are extremely, extremely excusable. Um, Michelle Waterson's three and three in her last six with losses to Ioana, Tisha Torres, and Rose Namajunas. Her four wins are Paige Van Zant, Courtney Casey, Felice Herrig, and Karolina Kovakevich. This is another one where I think the resumes kind of speak for themselves. Uh, Carlos Barza has lost to great opponents, Ioana and JJ, Claudia Gadelia, Tatiana Suarez, while Waterson lost to Tisha Torres, who I feel is like kind of middle-of-the-road fighter, but also very comparable to Carlos Barza in a lot of ways, and is beating very unimpressive names like Paige, Casey, Herrig, and Kovakevich. Kovakevich wasn't impressive name at one time, but not anymore. And, I mean, when she beat Herrig, Herrig was streaking. Yeah. But how good is Felice Herrig? <laughs> I'm making a face. I feel like Michelle Watterson's a bit overrated. We kind of give her a little more credit than she deserves because of her story. I like Michelle Watterson, but I don't think she's that great of an MMA fighter. And I think Carla Sparza gets a uh, decision win on Saturday. Give me Carla Sparza. She's going to win. She's gonna use that colored hair to an advantage. She's I think they're just up. braids. Yeah, it's the like stuff cloth that she in braids hair. into her hair. Yeah. Yeah, goofy look. I still remember the first fight between her and Joanna. It was something else. It's so frustrating to me that she gets to claim that she's a former champion because and the first champion. Yeah, because it was only a paperweight because they didn't want to have Joanna and Claudia on the show because they would have wrecked. Everyone yeah, oh there. My. Could you imagine if Yuani and Jacek was in the fucking Ultimate Fighter house? Oh my gosh. <laughs> it w- it would have made the show better because she would have yeah. English goofs. And she's batshit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I just... It it frustrates me every time that I think of Carlos Barca being uh, credited as the first champion in that division. Because they're just trying to sell the division on TV to get some eyeballs. And right. it didn't work. Yuana made it work. And, I mean, she's possibly back at the top, whereas Carla Esparza, who is probably the best fighter in that season, is aptly, uh, or... Yeah, Rose was in the season, though. Oh, well, she was bu- buns then. Yeah. She was actually bad. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but she's now, as she should be, ranked around seventh, middle of the pack level fighter in that division. Um, with that being said, though, I do think she is better than Michelle Watterson. Um, I was telling Buju earlier, I f- kind of feel for Watterson. She's truly an atom weight, so 105-pound fighter. Uh, that had to go up and wait in order to fight the best in the world, but she does okay uh, with her monies. She posts a few things on the gram, makes that uh, Instagram money. Hell yeah, brother. Uh, she'll just take home her show money this weekend, though, because Carlos Bosa is getting the dub. Uh, the last fight on the ESPN portion, uh, and the last fight we're picking on this card, number 14 light heavyweight, Jacare Souza, unranked at middleweight, is a minus-135 favorite against number 10 middleweight, Uriah Hall, the plus-105 underdog. Jacare's lost his last two and five of his last seven, which feels crazy to say that Jacare's lost five of his last seven. Um, but he hasn't been KO'd since 2017 against Robert Whitaker. Uh, Hall's on a two-fight win streak, and he's looked a lot better in those last two fights than he had previously. Hasn't won a decision since 2014, um, but his last three wins are against Antonio Carlos Jr., Baven Lewis, and Christoph Jocko. Don't know if those are the greatest names to have wins over, while his losses are to Paulo Costa, Gregard Musasi, Derek Brunson, and Robert Whitaker. So again, looking at the resumes, this tells me that Uriah Hall beats guys that he should beat or middle-of-the-road guys and loses to more talented guys who are closer to the top of the rankings. Jacare, technically not at the top of the rankings anymore, but it was always right there. Always one win away from a title shot. They never could quite get there. Always got a loss at an inopportune time. But for a long time, Jacare Souza showed that he was one of the best middleweights in the world and one of the best fighters in the UFC. Um, lost a little bit of step here, but I think he's still a few steps ahead of Uriah Hall. And I think Jacare gets it done against Uriah Hall on Saturday. Yeah, yeah I got Jacare. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was like something going on with my mouth. It was like weird. But um, spin cycle. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna go with Jacare Uriah. I don't think he's ever been good. He had the potential to be good, especially after doing what he did in the Ultimate Fighter, Ultimate Fighter house and whatnot. But yeah, never happened. This is a guy like, and granted, this is the UFC hype machine. But he was hyped at one time as the next Anderson Silva, and oh. I mean. He's beating guys Antonio Carlos Jr., Bevan Lewis, Christoph Jocko. Mm-hmm. So, and, yeah, it's really crazy that I didn't never know that he was that hyped up. I wasn't really that deep into mm-hmm. MMA Twitter. Um, I'm also gonna go with Jocko right here, like Buju said. Although he isn't at the top, uh, I think that it's crazy that Uriah Hall is even ranked tenth right now. But I think that just shows a very top-heavy division. Uh, that, as I said in text earlier, precipitously falls in talent uh, after you get past those top few guys. And Jacare, if he doesn't get it done against Uriah Hall, needs to hang it up. But I think he will get it done, and he'll, I think, be able to uh, put himself again in the mix for a contender at 185. Uh, Like I said, this is a great card. We picked, uh, what did we just pick? Nine fights, something like the that. entire main card and the uh, ESPN preliminary portion of the card, but even the early prelims. You have Vicente Luque versus Nico Price, which is a great uh, That's fight. That's a fight of the year candidate. Yeah, potential can- fight of the year candidate. You have Bryce Mitchell, who is one of the hottest prospects in the UFC, one of the more entertaining guys on social media, and in post-fight interviews and everything, Bryce Mitchell's somebody every everybody should have their eyes on. But at the same time, it also kind of feels like the fight where 
Jason Knight was and Sage Northcutt was and Mickey Gall was, where this is the one he loses and gets knocked back down to reality a little yeah, bit. Yeah, probably. But. but he fights Charles Rosa on the uh, early prelims on ESPN+. Plus, and then Ryan Spann versus Sam Alvey is a, a fight that is also on the card. Oh. So, I mean, that's one meh fight on... Yeah, a 12-fight card. Yeah, one. Mm-hmm. This is how good every card could be. And this is, it's a situation where normally we'd be saying that Bryce Mitchell should definitely be on ESPN, get him as much ex- exposure as possible. But between Cerrone versus Pettis, Olenek versus Verdum, Esparza versus Watterson, Hall versus Jacare, which fight do you out of those you knock down to the early prelims? Either the last two, either the girls' fight or Jacare. Doesn't matter. That's just a tough sell Bryce Mitchell and Charles Rose over a former champion, Carlos Esparza, or a guy like Jacare Souza. You just do it. No one cares how much about Carlos Barca. Um, but yeah, great. This feels like one of the better cards in a long time. Maybe it's because we've been so starved for fights. Also because they had to cancel so many cards, they were able to put some of the best talent on those cards yeah. into one. But I'm just saying, it, it's a card I'm looking forward to. I'm excited to watch fights on Saturday. And they put together an extremely good card. I mean, given the circumstances, they can't even get every fighter they want to into the United States, and some fighters aren't going to want to fight during this, and they got to go through camps and everything. All things considered, they put together an excellent card. 100%. Shout out to the UFC and Dana White. Amen. Uncle Dana, pulling through like he always does. King. King. Like he mostly does. What fight are you most looking forward to on the card? Ask Brendan that. Pettis? Yeah. Even given the circumstances? And given the fireworks that are on the rest of the card? Yeah. Watch my boy fight. Hopefully actually get a win for once. All right, what are you next most excited about? Yeah. Brennan's going to pull up the card again. Yeah, Francis and Rosenstrike. You got Ferguson and Gaethje. Ferguson Sudo Gaethje, and Gaethje, no question. And Cruz. Mm-hmm. It's just because that's the closest fight, in my opinion, on this enti- in this entire card. And also, I feel like that's a good chance to have a finish. And not if even... It, Go ahead. No, that's it. Even outside of just matchups, I think there's a lot of intrigue on this card where you have, can Ferguson get it done against a pressure striker like Justin Gaethje and vice versa? Can Justin Gaethje adapt his game into beating somebody like Ferguson? What is Dominic Cruz going to look like after a long layoff? How is Rosenstrike going to look against Francis Ngannou? Will Francis revert back to the Stipe fight where he was a fucking shell? You got Bryce Mitchell, who's a hot prospect. Jacare's on a long losing streak against a former hype train. There's a lot of interesting scenarios on this card. Yeah, I agree 100%. And you got the uh, belt for the nursing home championship between Cerrone and Pettis. <laughs> um, one thing that Bougie and I were talking about earlier is every single fight has a very, a, I think, one critical thing mm-hmm. that determines who wins it. Um, and. That's what makes it so interesting to me. Every single fight has that. Right. Because, like, in going all the way down the Uriah Hall Jacare fight, it's if uh, is Jacare really washed or is he just been having a few bad matchups, which right. both are very uh, common or likely. And you have fucking Greg Hardy who always does some wild shit. Yes. <laughs> uh, what fight are you most looking forward to, Bryce? Francis. Yeah. Your favorite heavyweight. Yeah, top, he's top three favorite fighter probably. Yeah, top three. You bought hand sanitizer from him. People forget that. Yeah, people do forget that. I did buy hand sanitizer from him. Next most, you're looking forward to most. I mean the main event. Yeah, I would say the main event is probably the top one for me. I don't have a favorite fighter. I like Pettis a lot. I like Donald Cerrone. I like Francis Ngannou. I like Dominic Cruz. But the main event is just an intriguing matchup where 
I feel like anything can happen. Yeah. I'm, though, very much looking forward to watching every fight except Sam Alvey. Yeah, I mean, every, 11 out of 12 fights on this car is like, yeah, I want to watch that. Yeah. And that's so eh, rare. Asparza Waterson, I think, is borderline, but... It's, it's already it, on ESPN, so we might as well ride it out. It's interesting enough. This will be the first fight in a long time where I feel like we sit down and watch all 12 fights. I may not pay attention to the first one. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. That might be the pizza fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might be. Um... So, yeah, what kind of talking points do you have, Buju? Do you want to run down the card and kind of talk about the stakes for each fight? Yeah, let's do it. So you have Ferguson and Gaethje, winner fights Khabib. I feel like that's pretty obvious. Yeah, that's as clear as it gets. What happens to the loser? Conor McGregor. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. <laughs> Do you have something else? I mean, I think Conor deserves more, but... Well, I mean, it, it, the way that... Here's the way I see it happening. The winner gets Khabib in, I think it's October is when he's looking to fight again. Mm-hmm. Um, Keep an eye on the time, Brendan, by the way. just uh, And the loser gets Connor, and the winner of that fight gets whoever wins. Or if Khabib loses, I think Connor would fight Khabib rather than fight for a belt. Do you think Khabib absolutely refuses to fight Connor? Do you think there's a scenario where Khabib says yes to a Connor fight? Because he said he won't. Yeah. You do think he would? I just don't know what. I I just think most of it's not even just that it's Connor. It's just he really truly believes that Connor is unproven. Connor needs another well, fight that's also, not Also, though, Cerrone. since then he said that if he beat Justin Gaethje, he would say yes to a fight with him. He has said that. Yeah, or his agent did. Maybe Ali did. I don't know. But do you see there? Do you see a scenario where that's the next fight for both of them? Is Connor versus Khabib? It's not going to be the next fight. No. Do you see? Khabib fighting the winner of this and Connor waiting for the winner of that. I think Connor is going to fight someone else before he fights Khabib. I agree, weirdly enough, for somebody who said Connor McGregor's retired on 17 different occasions. <laughs> yeah, I think that he's going to fight one other person because I, mean, I just have that vibe that he actually wants to and fight. The loser, anybody but the loser of this fight, I, doesn't really make sense. Like, mm-hmm. you can't fight somebody on Cowboys level again if you're Connor because what's the point? Unless it's Nate Diaz. Yeah, and I would say that Nate Diaz is well above Connor Cowboy's level right now. Or I guess Masvidal. Yeah, I that would end that well though. at all. They did say that they are looking at other options than Kimra Usman for Jorge Masvidal. I really, really hope it is not Conor McGregor. I want to see Masvidal versus Usman more than I want to see Masvidal versus Conor. Yeah, because I think it's a more competitive matchup. They're both the same size. I think Masvidal fucking destroys Conor. It's also a meaningful fight. It's a championship bout yeah. compared to just the catch uh, weight. I mean, or... Conor is a meaningful fight just because it's Conor and Masvidal even at this point. It's mm-hmm. meaningful for the division, right. not just these fighters, though. Yeah, I agree. And I just think, like Bryce said, it's a better matchup because it just fucking makes more sense. Yes. And there's better... Connor can fight anybody, and it's interesting. Just the mm-hmm. hype up for Masvidal versus Connor would be fucking awesome. Yeah, Connor versus Dennis Seaver too. It's the right thing to do. I think so. Dennis Seaver deserves no. revenge. <laughs> uh, Henry Cejudo versus Dominic Cruz. I mean, this one is obvious enough. Where you have Cejudo, who is the former two weight champion. They took the flyweight belt from him, right? I don't think they have. I think they did. Because Devison won, so I don't. Oh, that's right. So I don't know. I if think they it's vacant I, though. I don't know. Either I think way. on UFC.com, they're suspect. Former two-weight champ, definitely the current Bantamweight champ, against uh, probably the Bantamweight GOAT returning after a long couple injuries. If uh, he beats him, is he the Bantamweight GOAT? Cruz or Cejudo? Cejudo. I mean, I think if Cruz does, he is. He's only got three three wins over Bantamweights, and one of them was that flyweight. To be fair, he beat the 
I think, some of the best that the division ever has had. What do you think about that, Brendan? Say that again? Would Cejudo be the greatest Bantamweight of all time if he beats Dominic Cruz? Keep in mind that he would only have three wins over Bantamweights, which would be Dillashaw, Marais, and Cruz. And he beat Cruz and the Dillashaw over, at yeah, 125. The win over Dillashaw was at flyweight. That's tough. I don't – because you had – even Uriah Faber, who was never UFC champion, I think he has to be in that discussion – Dominant Cruz. I mean, he could be in the discussion, but Cejudo smashes that fool. Dominant Cruz beat Uriah Faber, beat TJ Dillashaw. You have TJ Dillashaw who beat Cody Garbrandt. Um, I don't. I think even if Cejudo beats Cruz, and even if that puts him ahead of Cruz, I think Dillashaw's probably might still be ahead of him. Uh, Uriah's in that discussion. I think. I don't. Two wins at bantamweight. I don't think you can call Cejudo the greatest bantamweight ever. That's a stretch to me. Okay. You I, don't disagree? Think it, I don't know if it's a stretch, but I don't know. I see the logic in the fact that if he, he doesn't a, have the track record, if but he, if you beat the best, you kind of are the best. If, right. he, beat Dil, if he beat but, Dillashaw at 135, or if he had a win over uh, uh, Uriah, maybe I'd feel different. But just two wins at 135, I don't know. I, to me, that's a stretch. And, okay. uh, this isn't Cruz at his best, though, so that doesn't really count. We don't know opinion. that, though. That would be like Cormier, his only two heavyweight fights were a win over Stipe and a win over Derek Lewis, and you'd say he's the best heavyweight of all time. Like, that's a similar situation. I wouldn't say that's a terrible stretch. Wow. <laughs> over Kane? That's crazy. To be fair, he's already a greater heavyweight than Kane. I mean, this is it's a different track record, though. This is off topic to Henry Cejudo and everything. But I have a hot take. Let's let's hear it. Brock Lesnar's in the discussion for the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time. Yeah, he's in the discussion, but he's not it. He might be. Nah, he's he not. Could be. <laughs> no. You've been watching WWE. I've so. <laughs> been watching too much fucking WWE Network. I said that last week. <laughs> Way too much. I fucking love Brock Lesnar, dude. He yeah, he's just a freak. But I mean, he did. Didn't he also defend his belt? He did. And he won it from Shane Carwin. Defended it against. Oh, wait, maybe. No, he won it from. I don't remember. Get your he beat shit Randy together. and then beat Shane Carwin, and you lost to Kane. Okay. But he beat Kane. He avenged that loss to Kane at WWE Crown Jewel <laughs> <laughs> in like two minutes. Beat him with a Kimura. Yeah. People forget. Sure. <laughs> Rey Mysterio was in Kane Flaska's corner and everything. How many people has fucking Daniel Cormier beat with Rey Mysterio in their corner? Buddy, the answer is zero. I'm okay. just saying. Okay. Damn. <laughs> All right. It's my time. Um, Wait, no. Four more minutes. Um. So what's the next fight on the card? Sorry. Got Brock Lesnar side. Uh, third For, fight. France Ngano and Jarzino Rosenstrike. This is number one contender fight. If Francis wins this, he has to wait for the fucking title shot. Just wait it out, dude. I mean, just he, wait. I think he's already the most deserving guy. And he once is. he knocks off Jarzino's head... There's going to be no way to deny it. And he's going to knock off either DC's head or uh-huh. Stipe's head. If Stipe, Heads are going to roll. If Stipe's next fight isn't Daniel Cormier, it's Francis Ngannou. He just has to wait, but he doesn't want to wait. I mean, I guess I get it. But just fucking wait. You got a title shot coming. If he wins this, he has to wait. You cannot fight somebody else before you fight for the title if you're Francis. Cannot. Just cannot do it. Simply. But. I felt like fucking Colin Coward or something doing it. That was weird. <laughs> um, with... Uh, I did see something that I sent you guys earlier that Stipe is open to fighting Daniel Cormier this fall. Thoughts? Do you think that'll happen? Or do you think... Like I said in the group chat, I don't know why there's so much discussion about this fight. I feel like people are very indifferent to it. Like, if it happens, cool. If it doesn't, 
we want to see Stipe and Francis again anyway. Yeah, I agree. I hope it happens because DC if, just retire, dude. Even I, if DC comes back and beats Stipe, does that have a significant impact on his legacy or anything? I mean, he's the heavyweight goat. Is he? Yes. There's no way around it. But None. He might even still be now without coming back. He might be, but this would literally de- define it. But what if he loses? You get knocked out again. And then he's not the GOAT. That's what's on the line for him. GOAT ship take, at that division. You take another fucking concussion. Fuck them kids. I, <laughs> you don't need to raise them. <laughs> like I that's what's at stake for him. I, if I'm DC, I'm not doing it. But I'm if not. I'm DC, no, I'm done. Yeah, just but re- if, DC, retire, bitch. Yeah. Heads are going to roll, though. Francis Ngannou is not going to be denied. What if God fucking opens the heavens, reaches down, and touches Jarzino Rosenstrike on his dome piece, and Jarzino Rosenstrike somehow does the impossible and gets a win here? What happens? How does he win? That's what matters. I mean, he, he fights for the belt. That's what happens. But TKO. Then, yeah, he just fights for the belt. You think? Yeah, 100%. Francis might still fucking fight for the belt. <laughs> he might, but it won't happen. He'll, unless he fights someone else again, like he knocked out Curtis Blades for the third time. Jeremy C versus Calvin Cater. Weirdly enough, it's kind of a fight that Cater has to win. I mean, same for Stevens, really. Stevens, if he loses, he might get cut. Yeah, Stevens is in a worse spot if he loses than Cater. Deuce, deuce, friends. So, All right, yeah. deuces. We enjoyed you. Air knuckle bump as uh, the COVID-19 demands. Leave it open. Um, but yeah, I think it's a can't lose for Jeremy Stevens, and Calvin Cater needs a win here. It's a, it's a bad look if Cater loses, but he can recover. I don't think Jeremy Stevens recovers from another loss. Yeah, especially to Calvin Cater because, I mean, he lost to Jose Aldo, someone else, and then Zabit. Yair. Do we see Calvin Cater fight for a featherweight belt at some point in his career? No. Considering I still get him mixed up with Dracar Close, I think I'd have to agree. <laughs> I just think the at 145... It's a little too at the very top is a little too good for him. Is it a must win for Greg Hardy against Jorgen De Castro? I think every fight right now is. In, Unless he's fighting at to, somebody on like the Alexander Volkov fight wasn't a must win. That was a win win for Greg Hardy. Yeah, I agree. But I would say any like skill matchup yeah. is must win. If, if he wants to maintain his popularity and any chance he has of becoming relevant in MMA, he has to win. If it's a name casuals hasn't haven't heard of, or even like hardcore casuals, I call them like say Brendan. Um, Greg Hardy has to beat those names. If he beats, if he loses to somebody that Brendan's never heard of, then I'm that's kind of the end of Greg Hardy. It yeah. derails the hype train. Yeah, I agree. Granted, he lost quote unquote to Alan Crowder. But he didn't. He knocked that fool out. Donald Cerrone, Anthony Pettis is kind of a a stakesless fight. I feel yeah. like the stakes are I just. Keeping your head above water, almost. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. think. I think it, it just de- uh, the loser fights a lower caliber opponent next, whereas the winner fights a higher caliber. I think Pettis has more to lose than Cerrone, though. Yes, I agree. Just because younger, they're ranked currently at the division they're gonna fight at. Pettis is hanging off a two hundred foot cliff, and his pinking nail is holding him onto the cliff of a title shot. Cerrone fell off the cliff. He's dead at the bottom. <laughs> so he already uh, fell through the air and everything. He did. That's tough. He landed on his feet, though. <laughs> I don't think it helps if he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it looked cool. <laughs> Alexio Linick versus Fabricio Verdum. Verdum can get back to a title shot at heavyweight. Yeah, whereas... I mean, he's probably two wins away. If he beats Olenek and then beats, say, 
Derek Curtis Lewis Blades. or Curtis Blades, he's in title contention immediately. Yeah, hundred percent. But if he loses, he's done. Agreed. And Olenek is is not a big enough name that a win or a loss really. Affects. I mean, a win would be nice, but a loss doesn't affect him. Yeah. Carlos Barza from Michelle Waterson. I think these are two women that aren't going to fight for the belt again. I agree. Asparza, though, is much more likely than Waterson because I think she has the skills yeah. to put together a streak against better mm-hmm. women. I think it's tougher for her to earn a title shot, though, because she's not as she's not the style of fighter that they're they're looking to put on posters and sell tickets. Michelle is more so that. Is she though? She's more of an exciting style fighter, and she's prettier. I mean. I mean, it sucks to say. Yeah, she that is. That's how it works. But yeah, and I mean, I just think that Color Sparza, to me, is probably more exciting with her style. Mm-hmm. Just the boxing, real Fair technical. Although, though, I guess Aspen Ladd is, and she sucks to watch. Aspen Ladd, fucking big forehead bitch. Uh, <laughs> Uriah Hall versus Chakra Souza. Chakra cannot lose this fight. If he does, he has to hang it up. Has to. Yeah, Chakra has to retire if he loses to Uriah Hall. Yes. And if Uriah Hall wins, it's his biggest win since Gegard Mousasi. And he is then one fight away from being a contender. Yeah, from being a contender, yeah. Yes. Meaning you'd have to fight, like, uh, a Robert Whitaker-ish fighter. I mean, that's that's a too big of a step up. Yeah. But it's not going to be Capalo Costa either. No. Kelvin maybe would make sense. And they're both tough alums mm-hmm. on the same team, Team Sun and Team Darkseid. Yeah, I could see that. It's I don't Uriah Hall doesn't lose a lot from losing this fight though. I don't feel like I agree. I think that he would still remain ranked at the end of. He would have it. to lose to a, a much worse guy than Shakri to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. Plus, uh, I mean, he's coming off a two fight win streak, so he will still have a job after oh, this. Oh shit! I'm dropping my phone. Um. Is there anything else you wanted to cover, friend? We have Vicente Luque versus Nico Price. Kind of already touched on that, basically. That's just really fun. Bryce Mitchell, great prospect. Want to see what he does. And then yes. Ryan Spam versus Sam Alvey is happening. Yeah. Oh, Sam Alvey loses. I just want his name out of my I life. The, uh, the other dude. I forgot already. Ryan Span? I think he's a minus 400 favorite. Good. Hopefully he knocks out Sam Alvey. Did we do it? I think we might have done it. I think we kicked ass today. It's very nice to actually talk about real fights yeah. and not watching them or talking about what might happen. And, I mean, these still may not happen. Disney might pull the plug Saturday morning. ESPN was advertising for the fights for this card as of yesterday, so I feel pretty confident. I think Disney's on board. I think the only reason the California card got canceled was because the governor of California went to Disney and said, hey, let's, let's, let's not, do, not this. do this. Yeah. And I think enough stuff is happening. Uh, NASCAR is starting up the week after this. I think there's just enough going on now where this card gets through. Maybe if some shit goes down between Saturday and next sa- the next Saturday or whatever, there's fights uh, scheduled again. That may not happen. But I think UFC 249 happens on Saturday. It's still nuts to me that it's still going to be a pay-per-view. How many, f- how many people involved with the card have to test positive for them to pull the plug? Three? Two. two maybe even one though no i think if one does they just it depends what the one is the, they shoot that guy in the back of the head and throw him in the fucking pacific <laughs> oh my god so they uh, pacific they put him on a plane and fly him to the pacific and throw <laughs> him out to say, we're next <laughs> yeah. to the atlantic ocean wrong coast <laughs> um but it also depends what guy if like tony ferguson gets it 
It's done. It's scrapped. You think so? Or Justin Gaethje, it's done. Scrapped. Unless know. you were Brandon Chop, you think that yeah. you talk to him yeah. like you know what they got the Rona, but you want to do this? And I fully believe that fucking Tony Ferguson or Justin Gaethje would say yes. Yeah, if the other one tested they're positive, crazy people. But I will say it has to be like next to impossible the way that they're doing it. What do you mean? In terms of they're in a locked down hotel, no one can go in or out besides everyone that's involved with that card. Right. But how long have they been locked in lockdown? Like over a week. Okay. To where they, I think, would know, or they would demonstrate symptoms, and they're getting tested. You can say what you want about the UFC putting on the card, whether it's right or not, whether they should be doing it or not. But I think the way that they've been going about it, and maybe the whole process itself isn't commendable, but I think the process that they've gone through and the regulations they put in place and all the, uh, the, um, the systems and everything that they've set up for this card, I think they've done it extremely well. Yeah, I think it's about as good as it can get. And, I mean, like I've said the last few weeks, if the UFC can actually get this rolling, it's going to be massive yeah. for the promotion the, to be actual sports. The numbers for the prelims are going to pop off, especially with Cowboy in the prelim main event. Mm -hmm. it, that's why, to me, it's just so crazy. It's still going to do it on pay-per-view. What a great fight to put as the prelim main event, too. That is perfect. It is. That's I just wish they would have put like Bryce Mitchell on that. And maybe Greg Hardy, too. Yeah, if you want to get everyone, you throw Greg Hardy on there. You throw Bryce Mitchell and play the card of yeah. the guy that he supports. Put Jacare and Uriah Hall on the pay-per-view, and you put Greg Hardy on the... To be fair, they might be giving uh, Greg Hardy pay-per-view points, and that was a big. That might be a reason why he decided. That's crazy if Greg Hardy's getting pay-per-view points. To be fair, he might be, what, the fourth biggest draw? What do you rate this card on a scale of 1 to 10? Nine, yeah, it's a nine. That's fantastic. That's a rookie score, but nine point three, I think, is. is no, a, I think it's just a nine point oh. No, great card, awesome card, as good of a job as they could have done, all yeah. things considered. Although, if we throw out cards for like two months, we probably could throw together a card like this every three months. Agreed, but I'm just saying, even the situations aren't ideal. Like I said before, you got people who might not accept fights, people mm -hmm. who can't get into the country. Mm -hmm. So on and so forth. I will say, though, Francis Ngannou, he's got it pretty good. Like, he just trains at U whatever UFC PI he wants to. Yep. He gets all the nutritionists. He has all the... He has pretty much the UFC behind him. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, he's just taking uh, advantage of the uh, amenities that the UFC provides. I feel like he's the only one really properly doing it. Wiley Zhang is doing it now that mm -hmm. she's out of China and everything. But yeah, Francis is the one who's taken the most advantage and like really done well for himself with all the stuff that the UFC pr provides to you. Yeah. And, and granted wonder... there's arguments that the UFC is not doing enough, but they do give you this uh, giant performance center that you can use with trainers there and nutritious and everything. And Francis is like, okay, I'll do that. And it's worked out pretty well for him. Francis and is doing pretty okay. He is doing pretty okay. I hope he keeps doing pretty okay all the way to that strap, baby. Mm -hmm. Amen, brother. It, that belt is going to look so tiny on his waist. <laughs> it's going to look like one of the toy WWE belts. <laughs> yeah. That you get a Walmart. Did we do it, friend? We did it. All right. Um, so check us out on social media, at Untitled MMA, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com, slash Untitled MMA. Give us a like, follow, something like that. Let us know what you think of this uh, weekend's card. Who's winning the main event? What you rate the card on a scale of 1 to 10? Don't be a rookie like me and give a solid number. Um, 
and check us out on this podcast platform that you're listening to now. Or if you want to check us out on something else, we are on iTunes. We're on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify. Uh, are we on YouTube again? No. YouTube is still under uh, duress because of Green Day. Um, Green Day made me lose my motivation. <laughs> fucking Billy Joe Armstrong. I'm on your ass down when this is over. Uh, but check us out there. If you could also, whatever platform you're listening to us on now, if you could give us a review a honest one we definitely appreciate the feedback uh share subscribe tell your friends about it Butchu is loving the fact that he called out billy joel armstrong <laughs> no i'm just thinking of green day sitting in front of a computer like hey what is this are you starting a song um <laughs> and uh yeah check us out there if you could please just give some feedback shares tell tell your friends about us after this weekend i'm sure one of your friends at work is going to talk about the ufc tell them about this podcast do us a solid and we'll do you a solid hey if you reach out to us we'll mail you a sticker if you're listening to this i love you look at your phone look at your phone or your computer whatever device you're looking at or what you're listening to us on Look right into the fucking ear hole part. And I just want you to know that I love you. That's great. Rate, review, subscribe, bitch. Yeah. Fucking skank, piece of shit, fuck. Okay. For Brendan, for Bryce, I'm Buju. This was the Untitled Anime Podcast. And it's a wrap. Ta-da, ta-da. <laughs>